0: Good morning. morning. Isn't God's grace amazing? It is. I was feeling that today. Even though I'm a part of the planning and a part of picking the songs and doing the worship services week to week, it still amazes me on what God can do in those few short moments that we have together to gather together and worship Him. Today's sermon, Grace, Unmerited Wealth for All. We all have a story to share about how God's grace has changed our lives. If we are Christians, then we all have at least one instance of God's grace at work in our lives. What's your story? Where is God's grace working in your life today? Well, hopefully, by the end of the service today, you will be ready to share with others the amazing power of God's grace in your life. The story of grace, this is from Andy Saling, the story of grace includes a broad range of characters, rich, poor, powerful, powerless. For all of them, it is God's grace that tips the scales in their favor. In some ways, these stories are our stories. For like the individuals who populate the pages of scripture, we too need grace. What's your story? What's your story of grace? Hopefully by the end of today, like I said, you'll be able to think about and tell your own story. But today, in the passage of scripture, which is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we're going to be looking at the questions, what is grace? What do we do with it? Who gets it? Why does God give it? And how do we live our lives with grace? And why love one another? Let's pause before scripture reading and pray just a little bit. Heavenly Father, you have given us this time together to open up your word. May the word today transform us and change us. And make us into more Christ-like people than we were when we first got in here today, or whenever you watched us. May God transform your life through the reading of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard version. I was recently gifted for my birthday um, Scripture journals, which are really great. It is the entire set of the New Testament. Um, it's a page of Scripture and a page of journal, and it really, really helps with studying Scripture and getting into God's Word, at least for me. So I definitely use that in preparation for a sermon, and I was so thankful to get it in time before my sermon. I had done preparation beforehand, don't worry, I did not just do everything in a couple days. (laughs) But anyway, let's get into this word. 1 Peter chapter 4, let's go section by section, and then I'm going to dig deep in each little section of the passage. This is verses 1 through 3. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live, for the rest of the time, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Let's think about who Peter is writing to right now. He's writing to first century Christians who live amongst Greek people, who live in a pagan way that is very different from the way that the Jews lived that are now Christians, and from the way that the new Gentiles are that became Christians. They have temple worship, they have prostitutes in the temples, they have parties that go on for days, they have all this kind of stuff that just goes on. And we can compare it to our society today with certain things that people do and certain things that people say. But it is a bit different um, because he's directly comparing the suffering of sin in that way to their time. So we have to think about the context of their time. But we can bring these truths along with us into our modern times, okay? Since Christ suffered in the flesh... We no longer have to live a life of sin. We can arm ourselves with the same attitude to suffer in the flesh. We used to think about yourself, think about your story, or could have been living in sinful lifestyles like others without Christ. Now that we have Christ, we have the freedom to live lives free from sin. So I ask the question why do we even live sinfully at all? Well, Because one, we are broken people who cannot live good lives on our own, and two, may not be living directly under Christ's rule if we're living as a Christian. Now for those who are not Christians and who are watching this and listening to this, you do have an excuse. You have sin in your life, and that is your nature. And you don't have Jesus to bring you into a life of goodness. And that's okay. But I hope by the end of this day, by the end of this sermon, you will see how good God's grace is and want to have that for yourselves. And, you know, for some people, living a life that is good can be a lot easier for some and can be harder for others. Some people, it's a lot easier to be good. Some people, they just have a natural bent towards rebellion and doing crazy things. Sometimes I wonder if my children are those people. <laughs> but they're young yet. They're fine. I just have to get past it. Moving on. Verses 4 through 6. With respect to this, to the living in the sinful lifestyle of the way that people have done without Christ, People are surprised when you do not join in them with the same flood of debauchery, and they may malign you, which means to say they may make fun of you, mistreat you, keep abuse upon you, and all of that. But they too will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, that they might live in the spirit the way God does. Now let's dig deep. Alright, even if people are shocked by your Christ-like behavior, don't let that stop you from living like Christ. Even if others mistreat you, live like Christ. But, eventually, it won't matter who you were or who you are, because everyone will have to give an account on Judgment Day. Jesus came to save us all, and wants to see us following Him and choosing Him over ourselves or the enemy. For those of us who are Christians, we should all be living in the Spirit and not be living in the flesh, as hard as that may be. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-9, through nine. we're moving along. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And since the end of times is drawing near, no way we can know when, unfortunately, we don't have it marked on our calendar. We should all be living lives of self control and common sobriety, and not only living well for ourselves, but to love one another fiercely. The love we have for one another covers a plethora of sins. Now the word "loving" here is ectenis, or to love deeply. The word itself, when you put the root and the um, prefix together, means to stretch out or to strain out. Okay, that's the way the kind of love is love is in this passage. The way that an athlete would show love to their bodies by stretching all of their muscles before they do something amazing. You know, you see athletes warm up or whatever they do that because they're showing their body love for all the crazy things they're about to do to it so that afterwards they can still recover. Showing us that our love cannot be a simple like for one another or a falling in love scenario where we just trip into love for someone else. But it must be a love that stretches us and challenges us. That's the kind of love that Peter is talking about here, to have for one another in the church and for those outside the church. I'm not sure which is harder, loving people in the church or loving people outside of the church. It just depends on who you're with and the personalities that you coincide with and everything. Digging deep. Let's go into verse 9. We should all be so kind and so gracious to one another, but the world around us looks at us with curiosity instead of judging us or hating us. Because many people have seen the way church people treat each other, they may have avoided us or left church together completely. Isn't that sad? We must show grace to one another. That's the topic of today, showing grace, receiving grace be in grace. Not only should we be hospitable to one another, but we should be hospitable to the strangers and the least among us. And since everyone has a gift, we should each use them to better one another. Now to the end of the passage. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's very grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves with the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything may God be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As God's grace is given to each person, so we must give the same grace to others. We should especially give grace to those who have wronged us, but to ourselves as well. Grace is to be a part of a continuous change from God on high to us on earth, then from us to ourselves and others. We must be grace extenders, not grace hoarders. Because God's grace is free. God's grace is God's power shining through us. Just in the song that we saying, how can it be? How can it be that God did this for us? And how can we not share it with other people? How can we not share what God has done for us? And in 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us That the Holy Spirit gives each believer one or more gifts to help edify the body of Christ. God wants you to discover and develop gifts so you can bless those around you. And whoever is gifted in speaking, speak God's truth. Whoever is a servant, serve with all of your heart and strength. In all that we do, we should aim to glorify God. If we speak Then we should speak for God. If we serve, then we should serve for God. If we lead, then we should lead for God. If we counsel, then we should counsel for God. If we're merciful, we should be merciful for God. We cannot glorify God unless we do not offer to God through the power and name of Jesus Christ. Do it all for the glory of God And in Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's sermon in a sentence. Because of God's grace, we can be gracious to all. Again, what is grace? What do we do with it? Who gets it? Why does God give it? How do we live our lives with grace? And why love one another? Well, I found some answers to these questions throughout the scripture and throughout the searching that I think will help us to understand how to live lives of grace and to be gracious to all people. Grace is defined spiritually as the free and unmerited favor of God, as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. Grace can also be redefined as the wealth of God given to us freely, okay? So imagine God has a bunch of money in the form of um, coins because they'll fly faster. And he just drops them from heaven. And we all have buckets, okay? We all have buckets ready to be filled with God's grace. And we just hear God's grace tinkling into our buckets, But then what, we're supposed to, what are we supposed to do with that money? Do we keep it just for ourselves? Do we put it away in a bank in a storehouse to save for later? Or do we fashion some kind of like funnel and tube and knobs to freely give it to other people when we so, when we so see fit, when God gives us this opportunity? We're supposed to give away the grace. We're not supposed to keep it, although we do need it for ourselves from time to time. I am not perfect. Just ask everyone else. I have done a few things that I'm not proud of, but God's grace is here to heal and to restore. And Andy Stanley, again, says this, Grace acknowledges the full implication of sin and yet does not condemn. So we're not handing out condemnation to people, no, no, or judgment. We're handing out grace, that free and unmerited wealth. Just imagine just giving people money from your storehouse that God has given you. It'll say God on it, don't worry. It won't say, like, Caesar's or the president's or some other president. It'll say God's honor. It's God's grace. And people will be confused, probably, but they'll know in their hearts that they received God's grace. And we pray for that, don't we? That people know God's grace in their lives. Because all deserve grace. And why? Why do all of us deserve grace? Well, God loves us. Even though we might be seemingly small and insignificant in the span of everything, God loves us. No matter what we say, no matter what we do, God loves us. Each and every one of us has the ability to live lives full of grace for ourselves and for others. And we are called to live lives full of love for one another. We can live lives full of grace and love, the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We can't do it by ourselves because we want to hoard that grace to ourselves. Look at any toddler given a toy. What do they want to do? Keep that toy for themselves, even though it was a free free gift given to them. And some other kid may not have one. And one of my friends from seminary said, Our lives must also be filled with connection, communion, and community. So when we freely give God's grace to one another, we are building that connection between them. We're communing with God and sharing the grace. And we're expanding our community and going out into the world. And we must love each other because God first loved us. Again, he did the work on that cross. We don't have to do the work of the cross in order to be saved but we do have to do the work to give out that grace. We cannot deny love and grace to one another because God did not deny Christ to us. Because of God's grace, we can be gracious to all. There's a song out right now by Torrin Wells and featuring the guy, lead singer from Rascal Flatts, um, It's called Until Grace, and I'm going to read you the chorus. Until grace called my name. Oh, I didn't know I could be free. Until grace found me. Until grace broke these chains. Oh, I didn't know I could be free. Until grace found, your grace found me. We must have grace for ourselves and others, especially grace for when we sin and we mess up as we go throughout life. As Christ suffered, so our lives can be free. This life is meant for us to glorify God. We are called to love one another, no excuses. We cannot walk around in this Christian life full of hate and dislike for one another or even the people who don't belong to our body of believers. Even if life isn't going well, we must still love. We must eagerly love the unlovable in our churches and outside these walls. The world will know us by our love. And you can find that song, Until Grace, on YouTube, or Apple Music, or Google Play, wherever you get your music. And I want you—I challenge you to listen to that until you get that foundation, that grace is freely given to you so that you may freely give it to others. I want us to be a people of handing out grace. We are champions of hope, in the love of Jesus Christ, but we are also grace givers. I want us to be those people and as I'm learning to do that for myself as well. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are here with us. You are here right now to transform us and to move in our lives. Thank you for your word that comes alive every time we speak it and every time we read it. May your word sit upon our hearts. May the words of Peter said so long ago through your inspiration sit well with us. Convict us of anything that we need to be convicted for. Help us to move past that and heal. Help us to be people full of grace and love and mercy for others as we do that for ourselves. Because you have given us our grace so freely so that we may celebrate you every day in our lives. Jesus, we love you and we praise you for all you've done and all that you continue to do in our lives. You are amazing. And in your name we pray. Amen.
1: Hey, again, I want to thank you for... uh, participating in this uh, worship celebration today. Thanks for being part of uh, on-site and online. Appreciate that. Uh, I, I say this every week, so you you may not... I, I, I want to I say it different this week because, well, English is one of those languages that's not always clear. So I'm going to borrow from a uh, Uh, Another dialect an English it's it's English, but it's southern English because Well northern English we you and you Am I talking about you one or you two or you three or four or five or six you don't know But if you're down south It's you all and all y'all So All 'all y'all (laughs) sinned. But all y'all are not going alone. Mm -hmm. Jesus will never leave all y'all. He'll never forsake you, all y'all. So all y'all go with Jesus.